Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. And ladies and gentlemen, the Wildcats have earned the season sweep over the Tennessee Volunteers. 66-54 was the final score in Rupp Arena just moments ago. Wildcats now 18-9, and 9-5 in SEC play. On today's episode, we are going to be recapping this victory for the Wildcats also going to be talking a little bit more about what the Wildcats need to do over the course of their final five games of the season. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think the first thing we need to talk about is how statistically similar this was to the first game that Kentucky played against uh, Tennessee. So the first game, 56-63 to was the final score. This one's 66-54. to You look at what Tennessee did in this game. They took a lot more shots than the Wildcats like the first time. They took a lot less free throws like the first time. Wildcats dominant on the boards again. Not as much on the offensive side, but definitely on the defensive glass cleaning up things. I would say that the script on Kentucky's offense in these matchups with Tennessee this year has kind of been flipped. You notice something that we've discussed a lot on this show whenever we've complained about Tennessee or, excuse me, Kentucky's offense. It feels rushed at times. In this game for Tennessee, they felt rushed a lot of different, in a lot of different half-court sets. They felt rushed a lot of times whenever they were trying to make things happen in transition. They just felt out of sorts the entire game. That's kind of what it looked like from the jump. Kentucky obviously got out to that 10-2 lead. Tennessee trying to battle back at one point. The Wildcats were up by 20 uh, in this contest, and that's just kind of a testament uh, to to John Calipari's squad for not completely falling apart in the second half like we've seen them do uh, in a couple of other games. Really appreciate all you guys in here commenting live. If you got any questions, comments, you can leave them in the, in the comments while we're, we're hanging out here live. Um, but yeah, I think this is similar to what we saw the first time around. On yesterday's live, actually, I was asked by one of you if we were going to see the officials tighten whistles up as opposed to the previous matchup or if we were going to see them kind of, you know, be aggressive uh, in that department. And I said, well, the only thing we kind of have to go off of is what we saw previously in these when these two teams met. And it was a combined 40 plus fouls called in that one. Well, Tennessee got called for 25 personal fouls in this one, and Kentucky got called for 19 uh, in the beginning of the second half. And this is not something that's, you know, specific to Kentucky. This is just kind of what happens in most college basketball games. Uh, The second half started, and whistles got really, really, really aggressive. Uh, And that's just kind of the nature of it sometimes in some of these games, especially when you're playing a team like Tennessee. They're going to play physical defense. Right, Tennessee is going to play physical defense, and it's just a matter of whether or not the officials feel like calling half the things that they could call for fouls. Well, today, they certainly felt like calling it. Uh, Kentucky had, uh, let's see, only one player with four fouls. That was Oscar Shibway. Tennessee had three players with four fouls, and one of them fouled out. It was just a very aggressive defensive affair, uh, I think, uh, I think from both sides of the floor, uh, for both teams, rather. 
You look at the shooting percentages in this game. Kentucky, I believe, at one point was actually shooting really well in the first half. They just weren't taking a ton of shots. And they ended up shooting a lot less than Tennessee did. So overall, Tennessee had almost 60 shots. They had 59. Kentucky had 45. You noticed at the beginning of the second half, right, there were some turnovers. There were some issues with the Wildcats offense. And Tennessee was just fogging up shots. I mean, at one point, I believe Kentucky only had like 13 shots in the half. Tennessee had 25, which is just ridiculous. Uh, in the second half, you know, the Vols were just chucking it up. Uh, but it, it was not going in the hole uh, today. Zakai Ziegler with two of, was 2 of 10. Santiago Vescovi was kind of the player that kept them in this one. He finished 7 of 13, 3 of 8 from behind the arc. He was solid, and if I'm not mistaken, he was... Uh, pretty decent as well in the in the first outing uh, that these two teams had. Plavsic was significantly less of a factor, which is weird because of how he played in the first matchup. I don't know if he's not feeling great. I don't know if he's fully healthy. But he came off the bench, only took two shots, missed all three of his free throws, and finished with three personal fouls. That was a very interesting thing for me to monitor throughout this entire game was the fact that Oscar Shibway, who was very, very uh, physical in this game, unfortunately finished three of nine shooting, uh, he was not consistently bothered by Plavsic like he was in the first matchup. Now, Oscar did end up trying to get some things going in the paint, and it resulted in a lot of fouls being called, Oscar shooting 10 uh, of 11 from the foul line. Actually, the most free throws that anybody took in this game by a wide margin. Actually, double any of the other free throws that, that anybody else took in this game outside of Livingston. Um, but yeah, uh, the front court players, I expected Tennessee's uh, front court guys to be a little bit more impactful, and they didn't shoot well. I mean, they, they just straight up didn't shoot well. Kawa was 0-4. Aidu was 2-4. of 4, uh, Olivier, uh, Olivier Cumwell was 3-9. of 9. Uh, again, Zakai Ziegler, who's a guard, but he shot two of 10. I mean, Tennessee just across the board didn't have anybody shoot really well. Outside of, uh, I believe it was Mashak is what they kept calling him. I don't know if it was Mashak, Mashak. I I don't really care. He lost, but yeah, this was, um, this was a very physical game similar to what we saw in the first outing. I'm not necessarily surprised by a whole lot outside of the fact that, that I said on yesterday's show, I didn't think that Kentucky was going to be able to get to the foul line as much as they were in the previous matchup. I didn't think that that was going to happen, and so I thought that was either going to make the game closer or was going to give Tennessee a win. What we could not have predicted is Tennessee taking so many more shots than the Wildcats, missing them all, and then also themselves going 4 of 14 from the foul line. I mean, if they had just gone 10 of 14 from the foul line, this could have been a significantly more different game Wildcats also didn't shoot particularly well outside of what Shibway was doing. They were only 23 of 35 uh, from the charity stripe, which is good for 65.7%. So it's just, I think you can chalk this up to, if we're just looking at this in a vacuum, your typical high-profile SEC basketball game, at least for what we've seen over the past few years. These two teams are physical, uh, excuse me, Kentucky significantly worse, I would say, on the defensive end statistically, but both these teams just kind of duking it out. That's kind of what we've expected from the Southeastern Conference over the past few years, and this game is kind of the epitome of what this league is about. It was two teams uh, just going back and forth, uh, one team at home just kind of holding their lead while the other team tried to out-physical them and put up more shots, and it just ended up not working. 
The rebounding margin I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, uh, Kentucky had a plus eight rebounding margin, rebounding margin in this one. I think that's a little bit less than what happened the first time these two teams met. Uh, Tennessee, one more offensive rebound, which was significantly different than the first time these two teams faced off. But, uh, it, yeah, there's not a whole lot statistically to take away from this game other than what I've already stated. Tennessee didn't show up. Uh, Plavsic uh, did not play as much as I thought he would. And, um, yeah, that's just kind of what we chalk it up to. Uh, Justin Morin said Viscovi and Meshack were the only Vols to show up. It felt like he did not play like he did in the first matchup in Knoxville. I figured that matchup would be a big deciding factor in this game, but he didn't show up. Now we know why he comes off the bench. And, yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about here is I'm a little perplexed outside of maybe him potentially being unhealthy. um, Why he didn't get more opportunities in this game. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I understand that he's not like a world beater, but in terms of matchup, what he did against Chibwe previously, I mean, it's kind of clear if I were Rick Barnes, like, I would try and get him a little bit more involved in the game plan. I don't know. I'm not a basketball coach, so I can't really comment too much further on it. Uh, Isaacs asks, and I hope that's how you pronounce your name there, how do, how do you feel about this Kentucky team after this huge win? So I think that Kentucky right now, I'm really excited about the momentum they've developed, but I'm really excited about what we saw out of Cason Wallace in terms of him rebounding. Uh, from his previous outing, if I'm not mistaken, he was really not good shooting shooting the ball against Mississippi State. He finished 6 of 14 in this one. Again, a couple of times where I felt like Kaysen was kind of rushing his shots, picking his spots incorrectly, um, but still finished with 6 assists, 6 rebounds, uh, had a steal as well. Uh, just a statistically solid outing outside of the turnovers uh, for Kaysen Wallace uh, in this one. So excited about what he could be doing as, the, as a uh feature guard for the Wildcats moving forward outside of Antonio Reeves. This is also something I took away. Isix, um, Kentucky, I mean, until Wheeler and Fred, or excuse me, uh, yeah, until Wheeler and Frederick get back, this this rotation is in essence the starting five. You notice how low scoring some of these games have been. Cal's just playing the starting five. I mean, that's it. Kentucky hasn't scored over 75 points since... Uh, I'm struggling to, yeah, that, that Texas A&M game on January 21st, they scored 76. Uh, so it's just kind of been the starting five for quite some time now. And you're going to see lower scoring games. You're going to see more physical games, I think, because of that. And um, I'm impressed with the fact that this team, uh, so shorthanded, uh, has been able to produce uh, against some opponents that they could have lost to, certainly could have lost to. Uh, what do we know about Castleton? Justin asked, I believe he's broken his hand. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play. I, he may be out for the season uh, just based on what I've seen, but I'm not, I have not kind of taken a dive into that injury report yet. I've literally just haven't, haven't looked it up. It's just based on what I've heard on social media. Um, he, we play at Florida Wednesday. I'm sure that won't be an easy dub. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's broken his hand. That's not going to be an easy win. But again, I go back to shock that Plav situation, a bigger factor in this one. If, Castleton is not a factor for Florida. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be very interesting to see what Shibuya does in that matchup because, again, he's kind of the biggest cog in the machine here as we move along. How he produces would be massive because now that you're 3-7 and seven against quad one opponents, you could be 4-7 and seven if you pick up that win against Florida, and it's all kind of going to plan as to what we discussed on yesterday's show, and I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more, talk a little bit more about this game, answer some questions for you guys. Before I get to all of that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. 
And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. And that is America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And that's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. They also have player props like points, rebounds, steals, assists, all that good stuff. So many more exclusive bets on top of that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on the Saturday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. Really appreciate everybody watching live. If you would, please go ahead and like the video. If you have not already subscribed to the channel and you're just hanging out here with us talking about this game uh, post-victory, subscribe. We're going to have a lot of interesting content coming out as we get closer to the NCAA tournament and the SEC tournament, uh, which I want to talk about here in just a second. Just want to make sure we don't miss anything in chat. Where do you think Kentucky will be in the NCAA tournament if we continue to play like this and win like this? I'm actually going to get to that in just a second. Alex said, that's a fun game to watch. I'm feeling good about Kentucky after this latest run. I completely agree with you. The fact that they were able to get this done in similar fashion just to kind of confirms to me, okay, if we figure out how to play this team in the SEC tournament, obviously it's really difficult to beat a team three times in a row, but you would feel good, especially if you have a deeper rotation. So what we discussed on yesterday's show was what Kentucky needs out of their resume. Currently number 39 in net, in the net. I can only imagine that's going to go up after this victory today. Ke- heading into this contest, they were 2-7 and seven against quad one opponents. Now 3-1. and one. If you don't know, net rankings are a mathematical computer system, blah, 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 blah. We've talked about it so much on the show already. Uh, go check out net, just Google net rankings. And it will show you that the country, college basketball, is divided up into four quadrants. The best quadrant, obviously, being quad one. The more victories you have against quad one, the better your resume, the, the higher your, your seed's going to be. Yada, yada, yada. So Tennessee was a quad one opponent. Obviously, top 10 team in the country. That is huge for Kentucky to pick up their third quad one victory. If they can get to five, that's kind of been my benchmark here. If they can get to five, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of to answer your question there, guys, is, is how do you feel about it? Well, they've already got three. They need two more out of these final four games. They could pick up one in the SEC tournament, too. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Florida on the road is going to be a quad one uh, game as well. Without Castleton, that feels like kind of a steal. And I know that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee weighs things outside of just the metrics and the numbers, and they will take a look into things like, well, Kentucky got that fourth quad one victory, but they were without, uh, Florida was without arguably their best player on the floor. You're going to see things like that, and it may change things just a little bit, but still it's a quad one victory nonetheless. The way that this is going to pan out, and I'm glad that you guys asked me about how I feel about things heading into the SEC tournament and all this good stuff. So Kentucky right now is, if I'm not mistaken, third. They hold, it's a tiebreaker, it's a tie for third right now with with Tennessee. Both teams are 9-5 and in the SEC respectively. But Tennessee is underneath Kentucky at fourth technically because they lost to Kentucky both times these two teams played this season. That's huge. Auburn plays Vanderbilt tonight. We need to keep an eye on that. If you are watching right now, you need to make sure that tonight at 8.30, you're checking out what Auburn's doing against Vanderbilt for a couple of reasons. Number one, we want Auburn to win. 
And you may say, why do we care about Auburn? I want to reiterate what I said on yesterday's show. Auburn is on the verge of not being a Quadrant 1 opponent for Kentucky when they play. Right now, Auburn is number 27 in the net. The team needs to be in the top 30 when they come into Rupp Arena. Otherwise, it's going to be a Quadrant 2 game. We need Auburn not to screw up tonight against Vanderbilt. We also need Auburn to beat Ole Miss before they play Kentucky. And you may say, well, screw every other team in the SEC. I only care about what's going on with Kentucky. If you care about Kentucky, you're going to want Auburn to win. It's all for the benefit of our resume. Because if Kentucky does beat Auburn and all of this happens, then that's your fifth Quadrant 1 victory. And at that point, you're probably in. Right now, Kentucky's a 10 seed according to most bracketology reports out there. Um, they've kind of made their way onto that first four in bubble, uh, or at least part of the bubble, uh, I should say. So again, right now, things, you're asking, how, how do I feel about it? I feel great. You've you, you picked up two wins that I thought Kentucky could have easily lost. We've seen this team lose to South Carolina this season. Anything is possible with John Calipari's squad this year. Literally anything. The fact that they were able to go on the road and beat a very physical Mississippi State opponent that I would argue was a bad matchup. Thank goodness that team can't shoot. Otherwise, that would have been a huge problem. Then you go and you beat at home one of the best teams in the nation. We know Tennessee is hot and cold, right? We know Tennessee has the ability to just kind of fall apart at times on the offensive end of the floor. But at the same time, they can be pretty daggum efficient against some of the better teams in the nation. How do we know that? Well, just a couple of days ago, they beat Alabama. They beat them 68-59. to Anybody can win at home in this league. Anybody can win on the road. It's more difficult, but anybody can win at home. Uh, and Tennessee, who currently still has the number one defense in the nation, uh, has now lost. I want to check this. They've lost four out of their last six. They started 18-3, and 7-1. and one. They are now 9-5, and five, um, which is just surprising to me that, that Tennessee is just kind of laid so many eggs. Of course, obviously, those two games against Vanderbilt, Missouri are, are buzzer beaters, but it's big for UK. Let me tell you why it's big for UK. Again, getting that double bye. And this kind of maybe. Maybe this is not as important. Maybe this is not as important. I would like to see Kentucky somehow finish third instead of fourth in the SEC standings. Because if we finish fourth, you know who we're facing off against if we get out of that first round, or first game, rather. We're facing Alabama. So I don't want to face Alabama. I would much rather face a team like Tennessee or a team like Auburn or a team like Texas A&M. Easy compared to Alabama. And I'm not saying any of those teams are bad. By no means am I saying any of those teams are bad. I'm just saying from a matchup perspective, and as the Wicked Scatter just pointed out, we're just a bad matchup for Tennessee. I completely agree. So if we get them again in the SEC tournament, like I said a few minutes ago, I would feel so much more confident about that game, so much more comfortable. Uh, Elijah McNary said it actually wouldn't matter because if Auburn drops, Texas A&M would move into a top 30 net ranking what do you mean uh, Elijah like if Auburn drops then Texas A&M all of a sudden is is better because of the way that the SEC games worked out this year because Auburn lost to Texas A&M twice so if Auburn drops wouldn't that mean Texas A&M would not have a quadrant one victory as well and wouldn't that drop I don't know I'm confused uh, all, all I know is that I'm, I'm excited about um what Kentucky's doing moving forward uh, with all this good stuff in the net rankings and, you know, just kind of the momentum that they have as well. Any other thoughts before we head out here? Let me see if there's anything else I want to kind of 
take a note uh, before we before we move along. I think we covered everything that we wanted to with the Tennessee game. Uh, again, I, I would strongly advise you guys if you do want to see uh, Kentucky's resume kind of be built up, I would strongly encourage you to watch this Auburn-Vanderbilt uh, game tonight. Because if the Tigers don't get that win, then we don't have a Quadrant 1 victory, an extra Quadrant 1 victory, and Texas a would count as a Quad 1 for us instead of Auburn. Okay, I get what you're, get what you're saying. Well, still, if Auburn does continue to win, then that's an extra Quadrant 1 victory, I think. And so that actually potentially even gets you, if, if Texas A&M continues to win, um, you're po- possibly looking at evening your, your record against Quad 1 opponents at the end of the year, potentially going 500 against them. Alabama's a tough draw, but it would definitely be better not to play them till the end. Yep, completely agree, Alex. Because here's the here's the logic here, and maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'll disagree with that. In, disagree with what, what I'm about to say. If Kentucky somehow makes it to the SEC championship game, logic tells you that it was not just a, oh, they beat this team, they beat that that team, oh, those teams suck, it's whatever. They have to have some type of momentum. We've seen in this league, Texas A&M last year, Auburn a couple of years ago, when your team starts to play well and they start to shoot well, a lot of things can happen regardless of the opponent. If Kentucky makes it to the SEC championship, and they face off against Bama. I completely agree with Alex. I think it would be much better to play them at the very end because, first of all, you've picked up those extra victories for your resume, and then second of all, you've got an opportunity, momentum, and all that good stuff to play out of your mind and beat a really good team. Uh, Elijah says, heck yeah, I definitely want both of those quad ones. Kentucky needs everything that, like, let's be clear. Kentucky's, like, still on the bubble. This victory today really helps them out, but they're still on the bubble. They need to just, like, it could be as easy. Maybe I'm overcomplicating this. It could be just as easy as just, man, if you won out. If you won out, you would be in. But the reality of this situation is I don't think this team's good enough to win out based on what we've seen them do this year. I keep going back to that South Carolina game in my mind. It gives me bad, uh, bad nightmares. But I think that we are, we are okay this win gives us a little bit of cushion. It gives us just a little bit of cushion. Uh, Kentucky facing off again, like some of you guys have already pointed out, against Florida on the road on Wednesday, 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern time, or excuse me, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. We're going to have a lot to talk about with that game heading into it. Both these two teams uh, are kind of different in the fact that Kentucky has a good offense, Florida does not. Kentucky has a bad defense, Florida has a great defense. So it's a little bit of a different contrast there. But without Colin Castleton, I'm not saying, oh, Kentucky's going to go in and win by 15. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can sit here and say, oh, Florida's going to win candidly because of X, Y, and Z outside of what they've got in Castleton on their roster. Ernie Reeves said North Carolina is a great example of what momentum can do. Talking about last year, Florida is currently down 20 at Arkansas. Yeah, that's what Arkansas will do to you, man. Um, Wow. Daggum. But yeah, I agree with you, Ernie. This is something that Cal pointed out recently. This is something that other people pointed out. We've talked a little bit about it on our show. I said it's different. It's different than South Carolina, excuse me, North Carolina last year. 
because of the fact that UNC's shooters were just kind of helping them along the way. Kentucky's doing it with a shortened, with a significantly shortened rotation. They're just grinding it out, which is, I would argue, a little bit more impressive um, and may speak to what this team could do in the long run. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's similar to what North Carolina, what momentum can do for you. And that, that's, again, to talk about what Alex said one more time. That's why I want to face Alabama at the end of the um, uh, end of the SEC tournament. Jared says, go 2-2, two and two, and I think Kentucky squeaks in 3-1 or 4-0, and oh, and they're not in the play-in game. Yep, 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 you're right. Uh, I also, Jared, would like to would, would like to point out, like, if can, it's it's important for Kentucky to try and get as many wins as possible. Like, you're right, 2-2, two and two, and I think that we're like, okay, I think we're good. But if, if the goal here is to get as many wins before you get to the NCAA tournament— you also have to think about what Kentucky does in the SEC tournament, and I would love to see them finish third. Again, it's all about matchups, all about matchups. Elijah said their post is non-existent. looks like a totally different team than what we've seen at Rupp. I have not. I just pulled it up like five seconds ago, and I didn't really get a look at the players that they have in the front court. So they've got Alex Fudge, who I believe is a transfer from LSU. They've got, uh, they've got Reeves, uh, who is not necessarily a front court player. They don't really play anybody outside of Castleton, uh, I believe it's Jason Gibido, uh, uh, Gibido is how you pronounce his last name as the uh, as the backup five there, uh, according to Ken Palm in terms of what they do with the rotation. But they hardly play uh, Gibido at all. So I'm curious to see what this Kentucky Florida game looks like. Jared also says, "Is Livingston our second best player, or is that a hot take?" I don't know if he's necessarily our second best player, best player, but in terms of value, what he does, uh, I think is very important to what this team needs because they right now are thin, I think, at a couple of different spots when it, when it comes to positionally being comfortable with what, with, with what they like. So I'm, I'm phrasing this very poorly. So like Jacob Toppin, if you sub him out, who do you put in at the four? You may say Lance Ware, but are you really comfortable with putting Lance Ware in, at, at your four? He's more of a five because he can't shoot. Jacob Toppin can. Chris Livingston can slide in at the four, and he's kind of that hybrid three, four type of guy. Callis said as much. Also at your three, Antonio Reeves at six foot five. I mean, he's good as a three, but he's not your typical like three. He can also play the two because he's more of a shooter. Um, but three is also a wing player is, is kind of where he fits comfortably. If you sub him out, you don't have a ton of depth outside of Chris Livingston. And Livingston works into that starting lineup. So maybe it's kind of the reverse where Livingston's at the three, then you sub him out, you put Reeves in, uh, this, that, and the other. But I think in terms of value, Livingston is definitely good for Kentucky on the offensive end. Um, I wouldn't say that he's our best player, but definitely a valuable piece. Absolutely a valuable piece for what this rotation wants. It's even more important because C.J. Frederick's out. Uh, I don't think we have anything else to kind of get to before we head out here. So, you know what? That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Guys, again, if you are watching live, really appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you are not already subscribed to the channel. Also, make sure that you're following us on Twitter as well, at Locked on UK on Twitter. Uh, links to those uh, to that is in the description. Don Wynn says Reeves should have taken advantage of the shorter guard guarding him in the second half with the post up on the mess matches. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that we probably could have seen a little bit more shooting out of Reeves today, but um, maybe that's something that they adjust moving forward because he's been shooting a lot as of late. This might have been just a matchup thing, um, but I agree with you. 
Uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. Follow me on Twitter at Lance.Underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave them in the YouTube comments post live. You can hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.